Good morning, Service Church. Happy Sunday. It's great to be great to be here. Great to be with you. Uh, if we haven't met, my name's Zach Wilson, and my family and I live in Golston, and we lead the home group there. Um, this morning, we this this is our communion service. So if, if you haven't gotten the elements for communion yet, don't panic. You can get them after. The teaching. There'll be a few minutes between the teaching and, and uh, when we're led in communion. So uh, let me pray, and then we'll, we'll get right in to the topic this morning. So let, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, for, uh, as, as we were singing, just that reminder that you are our living hope. Thank you, Lord, that we can even say that as, as believers, as children of God, we can actually say that we have a living hope, because you're alive. We can say that this morning. God, we, we give you the praise. We give you the, the honor this morning. Lord, would you please meet us as we go through your word? Would you please speak to our hearts? Lord, would you help us just to see clearly who you are? God, we just pray that you would continue to walk us through your word, as we're excited to jump into it again this morning and that you would just meet us in this place. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so this morning, it's going to be more of a topical uh, teaching this morning, and we're going to talk about a word that pops up a lot in seasons of trial, a word that uh, we hear in Christmas, a lot. We hear this word during elections. We see sometimes this word on refrigerator magnets, um, sometimes on t-shirts. Uh, we, we see this word. Uh, this word we hear in phrases. Maybe you'll catch what the word is. But <laughs> we, we, hear, we, we hear this word in, in phrases like, I hope I get this job. Or I hope I get this house. Or... I hope it doesn't bite, or something like that. And in, in, so in our common vocabulary, it's a word that's kind of like a roll of the dice. Ooh, I hope it works out. I hope, that, I hope this is it. So obviously, the word that we're looking at this morning is hope. So we're going to be looking at this word. Hope was already on, maybe it was already on the screen. <laughs> we're looking at this word, hope. And I want to... I wanna, uh, understand this word more as we walk through this together. I want to look at what hope means for the follower of Jesus. So we're going we're gonna to kind of break this, this word down. So there's going to be three questions asked. What is hope? How does hope work? And my favorite, where's the proof? Prove it. Where's the proof of, of hope? So we're going to look at a moment. So you can, you can turn, we're going to be flipping all over the place. Um, but most of those verses, if not all of them, will be up on, on the screen for you. Um, but you can flip. This, is, this verse is up there as well, but you could flip there anyway. Matthew chapter 27, verse 12 through 14 is the first one we'll look at. It says, but when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, 
Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. So you can hold your finger there and flip over to John chapter 18, verse 35 through 36. Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. This is a moment when all hope seems to be lost. All hope seems to be lost for Jesus and for his followers. But what does Jesus do? He, Jesus is able to hold his tongue. Then when he does speak, he speaks of a place that waits for him, a place up ahead. So we're going to return to this, this moment in Jesus's life. We're going to return to this a little more toward the end. But let's get into the first question. So the first question, what is hope? What is hope? So the, the English definition for hope is this. A feeling of expectation and desire for a particular thing to happen. That's the English definition. The Greek definition or the biblical definition would be to anticipate with pleasure favorable and confident expectation, a forward look with assurance. So I'm wondering, can you spot the difference? Can you, can you see the difference there? The, the English definition is definitely a feeling. Ooh, I hope it works. I hope I get this for Christmas. <laughs> I hope this happens because if this happens, then I'll be happy. Then I'll have that, that joy if, if this thing works out. So it's definitely more of a, a feeling. But the Greek or the, the biblical definition is a stance. This thing has already happened. This thing that I hope so much for has already happened. Now, as I'm living my life, I'm living it in such a way that I know that that thing has already taken place. See the difference? There's a, there's a big difference there. And so one, one of these things, um, the, the Bible says in, in 1 Peter 1, 3, that this hope is living. So we see that it is living. So in 1 Peter 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The Jesus followers Hope is living, it's alive, it's, it's moving, it's impactful, it's working right now. That's what this hope is. And then notice that this hope comes through the resurrection. So if Jesus wasn't currently alive, neither would this hope be. But we know that he is alive. He's alive and well right now. So is this hope. We also see that this hope 
is non-conditional. In Romans 8, Paul writes, For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So this hope described here is it's not a hope that gets tossed to and fro in the sea, in the waves of, of trials or seasons of suffering and doubt. That hope doesn't just whoop, whoop. I think a, a good analogy of this um, is an American football game. Now, if you're not familiar with American football, it's like rugby, but better. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. So we were in, as we were, as we were in America these, these past um, few weeks, we were listening to an American football game. So just, if you don't know much about it, just picture kind of like rugby. But we were listening to this game on the radio as we're driving in the, in the car. And we were listening to a team that we support. And the, the game was just going up and down. So at one moment, they were winning. The next moment, they were losing. It was kind of just going all over the place. And so there were times in the car when we were like, yay, woo, everything's good. And the other times, we're like, oh, we lost again. It's over. It's done. But the interesting thing is, so we, we listened to this game. They ended, up, they ended up winning the game within the last seconds. We listened to this game, and we were driving to our friend's house, and we, we arrived there, and we, we go inside, and we think that they were watching the same time or listening the same time as us, but they had pre-recorded the game. And so it, they were like halfway through. And so we go in there, and I, I, tell, I tell my kids, don't say anything. Just, and it was really hard for them not to say anything. Because now we're watching the game, and we already know the outcome. We already know what's happened. We already know the end. But we're watching it with them. And so horrible, sad moments would take place. And we'd say, oh, you know, this is tough. Just very sad times. And then good times. And yeah, this is good. This is good. Already knowing the outcome of the game. And it was really interesting because the, the family that didn't know the outcome, they were just, they were controlled by the here and now. They were controlled by the bad things and the good things. That's what shaped their mood. That's what shaped everything about them at that time. But for us, I, we were just like, yeah, we won the game, but we're not saying anything. We're like, yeah, you know, everything. everything. So when bad moments took place, it was still hard to watch. I'm like, ooh, but that didn't affect that they won the game. That didn't affect, that wasn't going to affect the outcome at all because we already, we already knew what had happened. So, in a sense, for the Christian, our hope, the hope that we're talking about this morning, it's not, it's not anchored in the present at all. It's a stance taken in the present based on the outcome of the future. And we know what the outcome is. Spurgeon said this, he said, hope itself is like a star, not to be seen in the sunshine of prosperity and only to be discovered in the night of adversity. This hope that we're talking about this morning, it reveals itself in the most difficult circumstances. 
Psalm 39, verse 7. And now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. David here is speaking about something that is not conditional. It's not based on whether the trial is here, the trial is not. Leading up to this verse where David is asking this question, what am I waiting for? My hope is in the Lord. Leading up to this, David's talking about difficult times, difficult trials, things happening in his life that are are not easy, not fun. But David's saying, he's taking this stance. Yes, those things are all about me. Yes, it's difficult. What am I waiting for? For those to get better, for things to work themselves out? My hope is in the Lord, who today is alive and well. It's a good question for all of us this morning. Am I going to start having hope once that person has forgiven me? Or once that person has asked for forgiveness? Am I going to start having hope once there's a vaccine? Is that when I start having hope? Or when I go back to work, is that when I'm going to start having? Or just fill in the blanks. Fill in the blanks. When does my hope start? For this hope, for the believer's hope, it's there for the taking. It's there because... Jesus is alive because Jesus is well today. We can hope right now. This hope for the believer is very important. It's so important that we're told in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. It's so important that if it's taken away or if it's hidden or kept away, our heart will become sick. The heart, the very core of who we are, thoughts, actions, emotions become sick. The believer's hope. So this this hope described in the Bible is one, alive. Number two, it's not conditional. And number three, it's not dependent upon me. That's what that, this hope that we're talking about this morning. But this, this brings us to our next question then. Well, how does it work? How does this hope work? Another analogy. So we got my, my oldest son, Judah. We got him one of those Dremel drills for uh, his woodworks for, for carving things. And um, he's very excited about it. With this tool, I can spend hours taking it apart, dissecting it, you know, opening it up, looking at all the wires and, and intricate little parts and showing him everything about it. And then I can also show him a finished project that just is, you know, magnificently perfect and beautiful. I could show him those two things, but that wouldn't completely be helpful for him. Because Judah needs to grab hold of that thing. He needs to turn it on. Just just feel it. There needs to be, you know, dust and shavings going everywhere. There might need to be a little bit of blood involved. (laughs) Hopefully not. Loud noise. 
in order to really experience how it works, in order to fully grasp what this thing is made of and what it can do. The Christian's hope is much the same. We can talk about it. We can memorize every verse where we find hope in in the Bible. But unless the trials come, unless the, the difficult moments are here, we won't really understand for ourselves how this works. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 20 through 24, shows us this. The writer says, My soul continually remembers it, and my soul is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. That's really nice, isn't it? So in chapter 3, leading up to this, this bit here, this verse that we just read, the author is thinking about all the difficult times. Leading up to this, he says, I'm the man who has seen affliction. My flesh and skin wastes away. I'm dwelling in darkness. I'm walled up. He talks about his ways being blocked. His endurance has perished. He even says that in the darkness, his hope from the Lord had perished. Those are, those are difficult times. Those are some hard, hard times. And his soul remembers all these things and is bowed down. So he's recognizing those things. He's thinking about those things. But then there's this perspective shift. And it comes when he calls to mind. He's possibly still in the trial. He's possibly still filled with the whys. Why is this happening? Or the ifs. If I would have just done this or that. And his hope was not this clearing of mind, this sort of Eastern kind of meditation, inner peace. Nothing's happening. Everything's great kind of thing. His hope was literally grabbed a hold of and walked out by recognizing the pain, talking about the pain, and then standing in the promise, the character of God. This hope works by speaking God's truth to ourselves, letting it wash our minds. Romans 12, verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's how this hope works, by calling to mind the truth of God. The believer's hope does not come by being conformed to the world, by letting the hopes of the world constrain our mind. That's that's not how it works. That's the English definition that we looked at. The English definition of hope says, oh, 
Golly, I really hope this works out. I really hope it does. The believer's hope comes by being transformed by a renewal of the mind. And this renewal of the mind comes from God's word. Comes from soaking in, basking in God's word. The author of of Lamentations calls to mind and then has hope. He calls to mind the truth of God. So maybe you're thinking, I read the Bible. I have verses pinned up throughout the house. I listen to teachings. I have a spouse who's very hopeful and says hopeful things to me, but I'm still in a very dark place. I'm still in that place. Hebrews chapter 10 Verse 24, let's get a little practical. Let's get a little practical here. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. And and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So to be very practical Hope is stirred up. It's built up between other believers. Maybe once a day, give someone a call. Call somebody. Call a believer once a day. Pick one or two people a day to pray for. Something happens as believers discuss truth among themselves. I'm serious. When I, when I talk to somebody, either they call me or I call them, something happens. There's some little seed of encouragement that's plopped in my mind or my heart. It happens. Start praying for other people. Start praying for other people and what they're going through. Their worries, their hurts. Every day, think of 10 things you're thankful for. (laughs) Wake up, make your bed, and think of 10 things you're thankful for. The believers hope it works in truth. Again, our mind is renewed by the word of God. Love and good works are stirred up through communication with one another, even on Zoom. Even on the phone, we're, we're talking to one another. Hope grows in thankfulness of God's character. Think about him. Just read these again. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Every morning they're new. <laughs> every single morning. Great is your faithfulness. So we have this tool with all these little, little parts all dissected, torn apart. We, we see it. We have the finished product, the finished carved product. But again, how does it actually work? What is the process to get to that beautiful object? It's this action of reflecting on God's truth. It might sound simple. Just read your Bible and pray. 
But that's it. Read your Bible and pray and spend time in fellowship, talking with others about these things, praying with them, praying for them. And it works as we see in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, setting our minds on things above and not on things of the earth. In my darkest moments, in the most difficult times, God has a plan. And this isn't even talking about COVID necessarily, even though that is a difficult time. There's things that some of us are going through that we were going through before COVID. Maybe COVID was just one of those things to uh, bring that out or reveal that to us. Whatever the case, that moment that we're going through, the season that we're going through, God has a plan. God is using it. Because the believer's hope, it's not anchored in coming out of this moment, although we pray for that. We pray for help in our trials and seasons of difficulty, obviously. But praise God that our hope is anchored in the one who has a plan for this moment. Isn't that amazing? That's an amazing concept that should be a little bit freeing for us this morning. And we see this lived out back in this scene. So you can go back uh, into Matthew. We see this lived out uh, where Jesus is standing before Pilate. And this also brings us to our last question of where is the proof? Prove it. Show me. So if, if there was ever a time for someone to proclaim that this hope was not real, to say, I was just joking, just kidding. Everything I talked about was not real. Hope is just uh, the English definition. <laughs> hope it works out. It would have been this moment here. Matthew 27, verse 12 through 14. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. So all of these accusations for Jesus, all these things being shouted out at Jesus means the penalty of death. That's what Jesus is facing, a horrific death. It meant for Jesus, life cut short, early 30s, possibly the prime, the prime, whatever you consider the prime to be, but possibly the prime of his life, early 30s. If there wasn't something deeper going on in Jesus's heart and mind, if there really was no living hope, then Jesus could have easily shot down all these arguments. He just, when I said this, I meant this. When I did this, it was pointing to this. He could have done that. He could have easily destroyed their accusations through his infinite wisdom. Completely just leveled them all. But why did he not? Why did he hold his tongue when these things are being shouted against him that are not true? He holds his tongue. This is why John 18, 
Verse 35 through 36, Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. The natural thing to do is to fight. Especially for a leader or someone who's leading something. Is to fight or for their servants to fight. But why do they fight? Because their hope is in this world. All their dreams, all their desires, all their hopes are grounded in the here and now. How things turn out right now or how things are going to turn out next week or a month from now. They fight for that. The natural man, our, our own flesh, cries out for things to be right. It cries out for comfort. It cries out for no more trials. I cannot be in this pit anymore. I'm, I'm done. But here is the proof that this hope is living. Right here in this scene, Jesus shows that there's something ahead. And it's there. And it's now. It doesn't say my kingdom uh, is not from this world. It, it will be from another world sometime. He, he doesn't say that. He says that his kingdom is not from this world. His kingdom is of a different world. It's there now. So Jesus isn't only saying this. He's acting upon it. That's what's amazing about this scene. He's not going through really good, prosperous, amazing times. These are the most difficult trying times for Jesus. And he holds his tongue. And when asked why, he said, because I'm not living for this. My hope is not in this world. It's the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. The, the, the joy, the hope, the peace, the life with the Father. He was able to endure what he was going through right now. All the proof we need is Jesus' life. Though he was in the world, he was not of it. That's, that's so cool that that's the one that we're following. We're following that one. We're following the one who goes through really hard times and says, still, I'm not from this world. My kingdom is of a different world. But for further proof, if you need further proof, we can begin to walk this out ourselves. We can begin to walk this hope out as we see it in Romans 12, <coughs> verse 12. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. There couldn't be a better time to rejoice in hope than right, than right now. There couldn't be a better time to be as close as we've ever been to our Savior, to Jesus. The one who lived out this hope 
the one who lived out this life for us to follow. We're told in Romans chapter 5, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint. So here we see the in-between. In between looking at the, the tool, dissecting it, understanding everything about it, and the finished product, the perfect little carved object. The in-between is painful. The in-between is hard. It's uncomfortable. It's not necessarily what we plan to go through. But it's in the suffering that endurance is being produced. And in the endurance, character is being produced. And in the character, hope reveals itself. This is the living hope that is anchored in Christ. And so when we say, oh, you just got to have, just got to have hope. Hope for what? What are you, what are you talking about? For the believer to say, you got to have hope. Here it is. So basically, just grab a hold of it. Grab a hold of it. Because it's already there. It's in Christ. He's alive today. He's alive. Does this make our trials easier? No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. We still go through very difficult times. Sometimes we go through times that we can't even talk about. We, we don't even know how to, to bring it up or to share it with others. It's that tricky. It's that messy. It's very hard. But what this shows us is praise the Lord because there is a plan. Praise the Lord because God is there with you. He understands and he's alive this morning. He's alive and well this morning. So I hope that encourages you just a little. It encourages me as I was looking at this and thinking about this. I was so very much encouraged with just that reminder. That reminder that even when times are hard, even when times are difficult, Jesus is alive and our hope is in him. So this morning we're going to have communion. And I would encourage you um, to think this over and ask the Lord to reveal this to you even further, to reveal how you've lost hope, how maybe you've um, deferred it. And so your heart's become sick and you feel it. You know that's what you're going through right now. This is a time when Jesus says, hey, here we go. Come, come dine with me. Come sit with me. Come rest with me. Come fellowship with me. So we're going to take a pause for a minute or two. This is your time to go grab um, the elements of communion if, if, if you need to do so. Uh, let me pray and then we'll pause and then we'll be back here for communion. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. God, thank you for the truth of who you are. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning. God, your faithfulness 
is here for us. Lord, we thank you, God, that you continue to work out things in our life, Lord, even when times are dark, even when things are very difficult. God, you're working things out. So we just praise you this morning, God. We, we thank you, Lord, for wherever each one of us are at. God, maybe it's things in our life that we're not letting go of. Maybe we're not confessing sin. Lord, maybe this crazy season of COVID has just been used to reveal where our hearts really at. Lord, meet us here. Meet us now. Your grace is sufficient. Your grace is enough for us. Fill our homes with hope, Lord. As parents, fill our lives with hope. As grandparents, hope. As co-workers, hope. Students, hope. Lord, we just need this living hope. And we ask, God, that you would just put it into our hearts, put it into our minds, and meet us, meet us, Lord, as we come before you now and, and have a time of communion. Celebrate your life, your death and your resurrection, and we thank you for that. So, God, thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Quick pause, and we'll meet back here in a minute for communion. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take eat, this is my body. And then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Father, as we take a minute to remember your great, great outpouring of love on the, on the cross by your sacrifice, Father, that the all-sufficiency of that, Lord, that there is now nothing that we have to do other than put our trust in you, trust that what you've done is enough, put our faith in you. Lord, would you show us areas where we don't do that? Would you help us and convict us, help us take it, take this in a worthy manner. Lord, if there's anything that we're putting before you, if there's any sin in our lives that we're clinging on to, Lord, would you show us that and help us be confident and know that we can just turn to you even now, in this minute, and be 100% forgiven. Lord, that you make us pure. Father, speak to us now.
we thank you that we can we can do this with joy lord that this is our hope lord this represents our hope in you and your sacrifice father yours is the victory amen